Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Hot Topics in Specialty Pharmacy, where we chat with practitioners and leaders to discuss topics relevant to the specialty pharmacy workforce, business, practice, and our profession. I just want to welcome everybody. My name is Drew Holmes. I am the Ambulatory Pharmacy Operations Manager for the University of Kansas Health System. And joining me today are Abby Blevins, Clinical Pharmacist Specialist at WVU Medicine, Anna Digman, Clinical Pharmacy Specialist at WVU Medicine, Michael Tilkins, Clinical Pharmacy Manager at UNC Health, Heather Dalton, Specialty Pharmacy Manager at Freighter Health Solutions, and Ryan Nix, Senior Director, Specialty Pharmacy Operations at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. In this episode, we'll be discussing the impact that specialty pharmacy has had upon health systems and the way pharmacy is practiced, including how different groups utilize ambulatory and specialty teams to meet the needs of our patients and providers. So welcome everyone, thanks for joining us. We'll go through and ask a series of questions. Our first question will be for Anna and Abby, and it is, has the growth of specialty pharmacy in your institution changed your typical pharmacy model and how other health system pharmacists practice? Anna, let's begin with you. Thanks, Drew. Absolutely, it has changed how specialty pharmacy and ambulatory pharmacy has practiced at our institution. Just to give a quick synopsis of how Abby and I are connected. So I work on the ambulatory care side in a GI clinic. So I'm working with the providers, making clinical decisions and recommendations. And then Abby is actually at our specialty pharmacy, which is decentralized, and it's actually in a separate building than our clinic spaces. So we interact virtually a good bit to optimize patient care. So as far as how my position was created and how pharmacy has shifted, so absolutely the need for specialty medication use in the GI space has increased. And with that, there is just needed increased coordination between the clinic and our specialty pharmacy to make sure that patient care was improved and that medications are being able to be obtained by patients. Fantastic. Abby, what would you share from the specialty side? Thanks, Drew. Here on the specialty side, I would definitely say the expansion of the specialty clinics has increased the need for the presence of pharmacists within the clinic. I've been with our specialty pharmacy for about five years, and in the old model, it didn't allow for each clinic to have a pharmacist dedicated to their specific disease state and needs, as each of us pharmacists in the specialty pharmacy also covered the call center. So I cover anywhere from one to three different disease states. And so as an organization, Organization, we've definitely seen the benefit of having a pharmacist dedicated to each specialty clinic as well. So as an organization, we moved to a model that would collaborate between ambulatory care pharmacists embedded within the clinics and also pharmacists hired by the specialty pharmacy to remain in the call center to kind of smooth that transition of care for patients from being seen in the office to receiving medications at home. So this really helps streamline communication between the clinics, thus improving coordination of care care for both the patients and then also communication for providers. Yeah, I think that's great. End of your answer hit on it well, the collaboration. I think that's the key piece from what y'all are describing. So thank you. We'll go to the next question. And that is, how does the scope of practice and model of care vary between your ambulatory and specialty pharmacy teams? And how does your health system leverage relationships potentially with these different pharmacy teams to meet the needs of your specialty pharmacy? Let's start with Ryan. 
Thanks, Drew. Yeah, I think just to offer, uh, I think, sort of opposing model from what Abby and Anna describes at, at Vanderbilt, we started off mainly with having embedded specialty pharmacy resources. So we really early on kind of put pharmacists into the clinic within our specialty clinics. And we've slowly been adding on additional sort of ambulatory support to clinics. And so prior to us going into this model, we supported oncology and transplant spaces, which is pretty common in health systems. But specialty really is what expanded our model of using on-site pharmacist resources to help supporting clinical needs of our outpatient clinics. Now, as we've continued to grow, I think Abby was kind of touching on this of as we've grown, we've seen that some clinics really just don't substantiate having a specialty pharmacist. So as opposed to having an ambulatory team, right, that kind of handles in clinic and hands off to a specialty team, at Vanderbilt, we really looked at if it's a specialty clinic, it may make sense to have specialty resources embedded within that clinic and then be able to utilize sort of outside resources for more ambulatory needs. On the flip side, right, if we don't have enough specialty volume, it may make sense to right, have a ambulatory team supporting that clinic and be able to refer out or hand off referrals to a specialty team. So one example that we've seen in our institution where that's been a really successful practice is in our primary care and GYN practices. So we've seen in these spaces that most of the time they're not treating specialty indications. There's not specialty drugs that are involved. We have seen an uptick in those practices trying to catch hepatitis C patients within those that they don't lose those patients to follow up, which is a really common problem in that practice. And so in that space, when eligible patients come up for these therapies, we've been able to use our collaborations with our ambulatory pharmacy teams to be able to efficiently route referrals to the specialty team as those come through. And so it's been a big win for our institution of having that collaboration, knowing that we don't have to put a pharmacist in every single clinic. We can really leverage other relationships to ensure that patients are being taken care of. Yeah, I think that's so important around what you're describing of finding the model and the, the way the workflow that works best to reach patients and work with providers. So thank you for sharing that. We'll go to Heather next. What can you tell us, Heather? Yeah, I think we started off similar to what Ryan was saying with embedding pharmacists in our specialty clinics right from the get-go at Freighter, where we had clinical pharmacists embedded in our specialty clinics initially. And as we grew at our health system, we really expanded to having our ambulatory pharmacists embedded in those clinics, and we centralized our specialty pharmacists. So all of our specialty pharmacists currently are working from home, and they're completing outreach and documentation in sort of a centralized model where all of our ambulatory pharmacists are working closely with our clinic teams to prescribe and educate on new medications, promote our home delivery and specialty pharmacy services, to then which we kind of go off of a referral-based system where our centralized enrollment specialty pharmacist engages a patient in our services and then our specialty clinical pharmacist complete that URAC and ACHC documentation. Another thing that I think is a little bit specialized or unique at Freighter is that we have a medication access team that supports all of our clinics across the health system, and they sort of are the like connecting piece between our ambulatory pharmacists and our specialty pharmacy services. So they're completing benefits investigation for all patients, to which then all the patients that are able to fill with our specialty pharmacy are then engaged with our enrollment specialty pharmacists in our services there. Thanks, Heather. Mike, what can you tell us about UNC? Yeah, very similar to what Heather shared at UNC Health. 
our specialty pharmacists and technicians manage our patients through what you'd consider to be the typical scope of specialty services. They work from home, perform benefits investigation, onboard patients to our services, perform initial assessments to determine appropriateness of therapy, complete the follow-up assessments to ensure proper adherence and that patients are tracking towards their therapeutic goals. Our team on the specialty side is ultimately responsible for ensuring that we adhere to all standards outlined by both URAC and ACHC. Our health system has multiple entities throughout the state, which all have various specialty clinics, many of which have clinical pharmacist practitioners, or we call those CPPs that are embedded within those clinics. CPPs actually have prescribing authority under the supervision of a licensed physician and really help to manage all patients within that clinic as a provider, regardless of which specialty pharmacy that that patient is able to fill at. And so for us, the CPPs are really great partners for our team, and we leverage them to help optimize our internal capture rates. And they also promote the use of our internal specialty pharmacy within their respective clinics. Obviously, in addition to the tremendous value that they bring to patients and providers from a clinical standpoint, Our team collaborates with them on various research projects, quality improvement initiatives. Another benefit is that they serve as our team's primary point of contact within that clinic, which really streamlines communication and helps us to promptly resolve any issues that might arise. Great. Thank you all for those answers. I think each just provides a really good, unique perspective, you know, how to work with those ambulatory and specialty teams. I think our audience will appreciate really the nuances that all of you described at your institution. Let's go to the next question. It is, have your teams experienced any operation challenges, competing priorities, or barriers between ambulatory and specialty teams? And how have you worked through these challenges or barriers? Let's start with Anna. So definitely, I would say that our goals of specialty and ambulatory care services align very well. So we're all focused on delivering that safe and effective patient care, making sure that's optimized for the patient. So that increases their adherence rates and also improves their disease states. But definitely with looking at the different operational sides, ambulatory care documentation may be looking for something completely different than the specialty documentation. So I think that one of the biggest differences that we've seen is just that electronic health record documentation process. So especially pharmacy will have some template notes that they have that they'll fill out, but some of the technician notes, for example, may be vague and follow-up steps. So once a technician completes a prior authorization, it's sometimes left up to interpretation where that medication may be dispensed if the patient would have to fill with a different specialty pharmacy other than ours. Sometimes that's left out. So as far as our relationship being upheld and strong, it's really easy to bring those things up to the specialty team if we're seeing from an ambulatory care side that things are left up to interpretation or we don't have all the information. So I think that just having that strong relationship between the two parties has improved our ability to optimize that documentation and also the ways that we communicate within our electronic health record. Oh, yes. Prior authorizations. I'm kind of surprised it took us this long before we mentioned that. Just a critical part of our work. Abby, what would you say from the specialty side at WVU? 
Yeah, we've definitely had our challenges operationally putting both between myself and Anna as ambulatory care and specialty teams. So what that entails is that kind of because we started a little bit backwards from a lot of you guys and as far as like getting our pharmacist embedded into the clinic as a second step, we already had a lot of our documentation processes in place. And so we have had to adjust to the needs of Anna in the clinic, but having Anna in the GI clinic has been a tremendous asset to our specialty team because what she mentioned, we have that really good connection. And so on the opposite side from Anna, sometimes our pharmacy team sees information that's vital to the prior authorization piece being left out from providers. That's critical information that our techs are looking for in order to get those medication authorizations completed. So we've been able to work together with Anna to kind of streamline and get our communication and documentation both beneficial from the provider's standpoint for our specialty technicians. And then also for Anna, we're working to improve our technicians' communication and documentation so that we're able to transition that care and make it smoother for the clinic to continue that communication onto other specialty pharmacies in relation to what's going on with the authorization for patients. Great. Thank you, Anna and Abby. I think just so important and great to hear y'all's collaboration. Now that will help our audience. Hopefully they can find the same way to work together. So thank you. Next question. Our fourth one is going to be health system specialty pharmacies. Many times are faced with the challenge of how to handle those patients who can't use your pharmacy due to payer or manufacturer lockouts and restrictions. It's always a pain point for all of us. How do you navigate this in your practice setting? And how does having a strong specialty pharmacy and ambulatory partnership change how you manage these patients or present any additional challenges or opportunities? Brian, let's start with you. I'll say definitely having ambulatory teams, as I was kind of mentioning before, we've been really growing that and having more embedded ambulatory teams and having those teams is definitely changing the way that we structure our services as a specialty pharmacy. Our specialty pharmacy usually handles triaging specialty meds to the correct pharmacy for payer lockout situations. We will typically help with getting the patient ready to start therapy by assisting with the PAs that we mentioned before and financial assistance and basically getting everything like teed up. So that patient's ready to go, regardless of what pharmacy that they use. We found in our system that if we're going to help with a medication, it's really cumbersome for providers if we only manage the patients that we're using our specific pharmacy. So just to make it easier and to ensure all our patients are getting the best care, we don't change much in terms of our service due to not being able to dispense a medication based on a payer restriction. That said, we have historically been more hands-off on medications that we just completely do not have access to dispense at all, such as the case with limited distribution medications where the manufacturer is limiting access. Some of that's based on we don't really want to duplicate services or get in the way of services that an exclusive pharmacy may be offering. I think it also has a little bit to do with we have some resourcing challenges when we don't have a direct way to pay for the resources that we're investing into a clinical space to provide our clinical services. We're all used to that as pharmacists of sometimes, you know, you give away your services for free and it gets challenging to continue to figure out how to resource those needs. So I think in our system, at least, as we've grown our ambulatory teams, it's really provided us an opportunity to figure out more efficient ways to stretch all of our resources that we have invested into our spaces. And it's been a great collaborative approach, in my opinion, with those other teams in our group to be able to divvy up the work that needs to get done, ensuring our focus for specialty pharmacy remains on how to get a appropriate patients on therapy as quickly as possible. 
Thanks, Ryan. Mike, what can you share about how y'all navigate this at your institution? Yeah, so as I mentioned before, our ambulatory clinical pharmacist practitioner partners really serve as our team's primary points of contact within the specialty clinics that we serve. So when we identify you know, a payer or manufacturer restriction at the benefits investigation stage, we can reach out to that contact right away and ask them to reroute that prescription to the appropriate pharmacy who can then dispense that medication to the patient which helps to minimize delays to the patient actually getting their medication from the pharmacy that can fill it. It's worth noting we also have a medication assistance team who completes all of our prior authorizations, enrolls patients in copay assistance, manufacturer programs, and they're great partners for our team and still complete that work for patients, even if they are unable to fill with our pharmacy, as long as that prescription is originally routed to our pharmacy. And so this is a big selling point as you can imagine, for our providers to utilize our pharmacy, but also just really is what's best for patient care. We want to make sure that financial toxicity is addressed, whether or not patients are able to fill with our pharmacy. Our ambulatory partners also have access to our specialty drug list, so which drugs we have access to, which we do not, and they have a very good sense of which payers that we are unable to fill for. All of our pharmacists on our specialty team run monthly touch points with their clinic partners, and part of their standing agenda items are to discuss any changes to payer or manufacturer restrictions. And so this is really one of the huge benefits of the integrated health system model where everybody is in constant communication and maintains very close alignment. Absolutely, Mike. I think that's a great point about having the communication open amongst everyone involved. Thank you. Heather, what can you tell us about Freighter and how y'all navigate this? Yeah, I think between Mike, Ryan, and I, we have very similar strategies at our health system as well at Freighter, where our ambulatory pharmacy teams and our medication access technician teams support all patients across the health system, regardless of specialty and also regardless of ability to fill with our pharmacy. We have some technology support in place to make sure that all of the specialty medications get sent automatically to our medication access team to do a benefits investigation and complete any prior authorizations and patient assistance or financial assistance support that's needed for all patients across all clinics. But really, those two teams are the ones supporting all patients regardless of the ability to fill. And then our specialty pharmacy teams, as mentioned earlier, are the ones who receive the referrals from our medication access team, specifically for patients who are able to fill with us and engage them in our specialty pharmacy services. So similar to how Ryan was mentioning, like we try and tailor our approach in specialty pharmacy specifically to patients who are able to fill and have our ambulatory pharmacy teams and our medication access teams really focus their efforts on patients who aren't able to fill as well, in addition to the ones that are able to fill at our specialty pharmacy. But in our specialty pharmacy services, really trying to not duplicate that effort, like Ryan was mentioning, for patients who we just don't have access to the medication. But this is, I think, a journey, I would say. There's increasing restrictions on medications in the specialty space. I don't know that we have it down perfectly, but I think what's important is what Mike mentioned about keeping the communication gates open between all services, all clinics, all pharmacy teams to make sure that we're really engaging patients in the right way. Yeah, Heather, I totally agree. I think journey is a great way to describe it. And all of you just really done a great job explaining how your institution just, I think, be nimble, remain nimble in serving patients and meeting their needs the best way you can. 
So thank you. Next topic is on metrics. This is a fun one for everyone or outcomes, some would say. Question is, do you have any specific metrics or outcomes that rely on the partnership between your ambulatory and specialty pharmacy team? We're going to hear from Ryan and Mike, and let's start with Ryan. Yeah, we definitely have started building out sort of better outcomes reporting, particularly in our infusion clinics has been our focus as of lately. Um, so spaces where specialty medications are involved, so like inflammatory bowel disease and asthma, we have a lot of overlap between an infused therapy and a specialty more self-administered therapy. We were finding in these groups that there often are bobbles, right, between the infusion therapy and the patient self-administered therapy. Providers are having to juggle between a medical benefit and prescription benefits, right? So it's two different types of insurances that you're trying to process. And then at the same time, you're coordinating to make sure that patients don't experience any gaps between, you know, the end of one therapy and the beginning of another treatment it can be really challenging. Then you add on top of that that infusions are seeing an increase in our system of site of care issues with pairs. So patients that are being sent outside of our system, for instance, to get maybe their infused loading dose. And so as a system, we really start to lose some information on when did this patient start therapy? Did they get their infused dose? Has that all been completed so that I can start my specialty process and get them their self-administered dose out to them for their maintenance? I think we realized as we were going into this space that we really have to rely on two different groups to document in a consistent way to get reliable data. I think somebody had mentioned before of like, you know, specialty pharmacy usually has their documentation, ambulatory has documentation, right, that may look slightly different. And so we were seeing that and we really kind of saw the need of like, we just need a standardized template and flow sheets within our EHR that we can use to document. And so we've gone down this journey and creating sort of these standardized templates, and it really has increased our visibility for providers, simultaneously provided better holistic care with less gaps in therapy due to handoffs between potentially different teams. And that's really been pharmacy that's been driving that in our institution. So this has been really a great collaboration and success story, honestly, at our institution. It's increased patient satisfaction. It's increased provider satisfaction. And overall, we've actually seen an increase in the number of patients that we're able to service in-house that are choosing to get their infusions because patients have the ability to choose to go wherever. But patients are choosing more often to use Vanderbilt to get their infused services. So the collaboration between our team in specialty and our ambulatory side has really just been a win all around. Thanks, Ryan. That's a great outcome for patients. I wish we had more time to touch on all the number of topics you spoke to there. A lot of good things, but... We'll keep going. Mike, what can you tell us about metrics and outcomes with your team? Yeah, at UNC Health, we are slowly building our clinical outcomes work. I'm talking specifically about our specialty team. You know, we are nowhere near the Vanderbilts of the world, but we are striving to get there. And really that work relies quite heavily upon that collaboration and partnership with our ambulatory CPP partners. Right now, we are collaborating on various research projects, really focused on highlighting the impact of that integrated care model. We're in a research project in the rheumatoid arthritis space, looking at CDI scores specifically, looking at patient-reported outcomes in the oncology space, also doing some work in collaboration to address social determinants of health for our patients. So again, that integrated model of having a pharmacist present in the clinic our team having access to and working out of the EMR, maintaining that close alignment through constant communication really does result in better patient outcomes. And we, like many other institutions, recognize the importance of showing that value of that model through research and outcomes. 
In addition to that work, we track capture rates for all of our specialty clinics, which again is something that our ambulatory care partners can have a huge impact on given that they are providers and have the ability to route and send prescriptions to our pharmacy. I would also argue that patient satisfaction scores, turnaround times rely heavily upon that partnership because really our CPP ambulatory care partners are an important extension of our specialty pharmacy services and their presence and partnership is really key to everything that we do at UNC Health. Thank you, Ryan and Mike. Now for our next topic, it would not be a specialty pharmacy podcast if we did not talk about and mention accreditation standards. So we're going to hear from Ryan and Heather. How do ambulatory care and specialty pharmacy teams at your institution collaborate to maintain accreditation standards? Ryan, what can you tell us? Yeah, I'm really interested in, uh, because I think we were talking about this earlier in the podcast, because I will say like at Vanderbilt, I don't know that we found a perfect solution to this. We still heavily rely on pharmacists trained with our accreditation standards to complete these requirements. And that's historically been somewhat of a challenge, right, is we have slightly different goals. Our goals are pretty aligned between our ambulatory teams and specialty, but we do a lot as far as training. These are the things that we have to counsel and we have to document on. AmCare has a lot of different goals, right, that they go in. They have to treat the whole patient, not just a specific therapy. And our model is slightly different than I think some of the other folks on the call and that we've kind of gone down the route of saying, if it's a majority of specialty patients and we're going to use a specialty pharmacist as like our embedded sort of pharmacy liaison of sorts, right? And then if it's non-specialty, maybe we rely more on an ambulatory team to handle those on-site needs. I could say, though, that we can increase some of our efficiencies where there's a little bit of duplication of work, especially like around counseling, where there's like overlap between different teams. So in inflammatory bowel disease, you've got a patient that starts, and we were touching on this earlier, patient that starts on an infused therapy, and typically they're transitioned over to a specialty self-administered therapy for their maintenance dose. So we've really realized that utilizing our specialty pharmacists to handle counseling is a good time where we can knock out all of those accreditation requirements. And we can do that in person for both therapies. So our pharmacist is there to be able to say, okay, I'm going to go over your self-administered dose, but I'm also going to give you counseling points and kind of go over what to expect for the infused dose as well. So even though that may not necessarily fall on our accreditation, the pharmacist is there so we can go ahead and take care of that. And then what we would do is we would do a warm handoff to our infusion team to follow up on some of the infusion logistics that they're tasked with. So in these cases, we've already prepped the patient. And I think that's what we've seen from our side is that utilizing the in-person clinic team and the off-site team, sometimes as an off-site team, when you are off-site and you're just trying to contact a patient, I don't know if you're like this, I certainly am, but like, I don't answer my phone if I don't recognize the number. So it's hard to get a hold of patients after they leave the clinic. So I think using this model, right, where we're trying to go over expectations for the patient when they leave their therapy, who's going to be contacting and when they're going to be contacting, really cues up that patient so that they're looking out for it, like they know what next step is. Altogether, we're able to get quicker responses and other team members are able to reach those patients and get what they need to get done accomplished. So really just speeds up the transactions, it cues everybody up so that they know what to expect and I think helps out both sides. Yeah, Ryan, that sounds fantastic. I think that's just a great perspective and having that handoff between the clinic and the infusion that's can be complicated other places. So thank you for sharing. We'll go to Heather next and you can share how your team collaborates. 
Yeah, it's super interesting to hear Ryan's examples on the infusion side because my examples are specifically with some of the oral specialty medications, specifically with our transplant patients. So we have multiple ways in which our ambulatory pharmacists and even some of our inpatient pharmacist teams are assisting with some of our accreditation standards. We, a few years back, actually piloted an inpatient support workflow in which our inpatient transplant pharmacists were completing some initial assessments on discharge for new transplant patients. So we kind of teed up a note template of documentation for them to complete for initial assessment purposes in which then they would sort of do that warm handoff to our specialty pharmacist to follow up on those patients longitudinally. And then we also have a similar structure to what Ryan was describing, where we have our in-clinic pharmacists, but those are our ambulatory-specific pharmacists that are in the clinics when a specialty medication is prescribed, completing some of that initial medication education and administration teaching. That sort of can help support our initial assessments from accreditation purposes as well. So they'll be on the in-clinic side doing a lot of that new start medication education, administration teaching right at the bedside of the patient or clinic side where they're completing that teaching and then doing that warm handoff to our specialty pharmacist to follow the patient longitudinally as well. So it's similar to what Ryan was saying where there's an in-clinic pharmacist that's supporting that, being up getting the patient aware of what our services are, that they should expect a phone call longitudinally, and then kind of doing that warm handoff from there. And I think that works well with us as well. Thank you both. Obviously, accreditation impacts everyone. So I know the audience will find both of those answers helpful and they can take it to their teams and practice site. Now, our next topic, back orders. They continue to plague our clinical teams and create challenges for health systems. And this question is specifically for Abby. Do you have any successful strategies that have been implemented by your ambulatory or specialty pharmacy teams to combat those challenges? Thanks, Drew. I'm sure we're all aware that this is a large problem that we've been battling for a long time now, and I'm not sure that we have yet found a successful strategy, but what our pharmacy does is provide diligent and complete ongoing communication, both from the clinic's perspective and with our patients. So our teams communicate both with the patient through telephone if the patients are calling in, but also proactive communication through the EMR. We can send mass messages to any of our patients that are maybe being affected by some of the back orders, letting them know updates as we receive updates and just kind of being honest and transparent with patients, making sure that they understand what's kind of going on and also express, expressing that appreciation for their patients and understanding. I think it's easy for patients to get frustrated with us. But if we're honest with them, then it kind of eases some of that frustration, which is frustrating for our team as well, because we want to provide patients with the best patient care. And we certainly don't want to hold drug or prolong any delays in patient care as well. So also having that open communication with the clinics to see if there are other options that we can do in kind of managing current supply and stock to kind of maybe rotate patients on different strengths or what's available to continue care and kind of delay any lapse in therapy. 
So I would say the biggest success strategy that we have come up with is just that ongoing open communication with both the clinics and the patients and providing that on a routine basis and ongoing basis to make sure that everyone's in the loop on any communication that we're receiving on our end. So kind of what that looks like varies as far as like email communication with back orders to providers or through the EMR, the electronic medical record, and maybe having ongoing communication within the pharmacy team as well from our inventory team on what's coming in each day with our orders and kind of what's still remaining on back order and that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Abby, I think transparency is really what you're describing and that is critical to navigating back order challenges. So thank you for sharing. Well, we've come to our final question. This is going to be for the WVU team. And we'll look towards really the future and what else is out there. So for Anna and Abby, are there any additional opportunities and collaborations between the different pharmacy teams that you see at your institution that have not been tapped into yet? And what's next for providing next level clinical care for your patients at WVU? Let's start with Anna. So as we mentioned from WVU's side, it sounds like we've gone a little bit backward from the approach that other institutions may have taken where we have ambulatory care pharmacy positions that are now being implemented to help optimize those specialty pharmacy workflows. So I think even just continuing to expand into other disease state clinics, such as like rheumatology, we don't currently have an ambulatory care pharmacist there. And I think that would be helpful for the specialty side. And my position was just created in the last year or two. So I think that those positions are going to continue to expand at our institution. And then Ryan was talking earlier about specific to the GI space that I work in. The infusion piece is an extreme part where we're looking at different logistics, different coverages, whether it be medical or pharmacy benefits. So within the last three to four years, our specialty pharmacy has created home infusion services for patients. So I think continuing to expand that, expand the coverage. I know that they're yearly working on what types of patients that they can cover in the home infusion services. When we keep those services within our organization, we can optimize knowing when patients have received infusions, what type of care they're receiving. So I think that's definitely a space where we can see continued expansion and help to capture some of those prescriptions that may have to be sourced elsewhere. And again, that creates even more complications and follow-up and knowing when patients have received certain things through different home infusion companies, especially. Abby, what would you add to this final question? Yeah, thanks, Drew. So like Anna mentioned, I definitely think continued collaboration in the infusion space is really big for us. Our specialty pharmacy recently got into the infusion space about two years ago at this point. And so we are definitely still building those services. I am not as involved with the infusion team, but like Anna said, that collaboration between our team and the clinic and helping them is definitely an increased opportunity for us. But for me specifically, I think an area that's really interesting to me and beneficial from my side is that our GI team within the specialty pharmacy has been able to work alongside with Anna and our providers in the GI clinic to evaluate national standard disease state screening tools and other outcomes for patients in the GI realm and streamline communication to get collaboration between our two teams and implementing different variables into clinic practice to expand our outcomes research 
research and our involvement within that space of pharmacy in order to represent the impact of specialty pharmacy on patient care through additional ongoing outcomes research. So for me, that opportunity is really exciting to have that collaboration with Anna and the GI team to provide exemplary examples of our great work as pharmacists to improve patient care. Great. Thank you both for sharing about those additional opportunities. You have a lot to look forward to and a lot coming up for your institution. This has been a great podcast. I hope the audience has really enjoyed it. We've had great perspective from frontline staff and leadership. And I think it's great that we just have everyone on a different continuum across patient care and where they're at with their ambulatory pharmacy, specialty pharmacy practice. So I just want to thank everyone. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. Again, thank you to our speakers for joining us to discuss clinical pharmacy collaborations. If you haven't before, I encourage all of you to check out ASHP's online resources for specialty pharmacy practitioners at ashp.org. You can find member-exclusive offerings such as the Specialty Pharmacy Resource Center, which includes examples of best practices, business development resources, and more. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of Hot Topics in Specialty Pharmacy. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.